Innalhamdulillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'uhiru Wa na'udhu billahi min syururi anfusina wa sayyiati a'malina Man yahdihillahu falamudillalah Wa man yudhulil falahadiyalah Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharikalah Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh Amma ba'd So the last time then We were discussing the issue of picture making The impermissibility of picture making And how picture making is a pathway to shirk It is something that leads to shirk occurring فالتصوير هو منشأ الوثنية Picture making, statues, idols, etc. This is all the source of polytheism, the source of idol worship. لأن تصوير المخلوق تعظيم له because taking pictures of the creation is magnifying them. And it's because a person has a connection or an attachment to that thing that they are taking pictures of. And so the extremism and the excessiveness begins and they end up worshipping those pictures, those figures, what they have made of that person. وَخُصُوصًا إِذَا عَظُمَتِ الصُّورَةِ بِنَصْبِهَا عَلَى حَائِطْ أَوْ إِقَامَتِهَا فِي شَارِعْ أَوْ مَيْدَانِ And it's even worse if that picture is stuck up on a wall or up on the street or in some open space فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ يُؤَدِّي إِلَى التَّعَلُّقِ بِهَا مِنَ الْجُهَّالِ وَأَهْلِ الضَّلَالِ Because having those pictures out in the open in that way then it leads to the commoners becoming attached to them. The commoners becoming attached to those pictures and then going into exaggeration and excessiveness regarding them. وَلَوْ بَعْدَ حِينَ ثُمَّ هَذَا أَيْضًا فِيهِ فَتْحُ بَابٍ لِنَصْبِ الْأَصْنَامُ التَّمَاثِيلِ التي تعبد من دون الله. So these pictures they lead on to statues and idols eventually. That one step moves on to another step. Pictures eventually ends up with statues and idols, and they are worshipped besides Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. 
And then the Shaykh, he says, سَأُورِدُ الْأَحَدِيثَ الصَّحِيحَةِ وَالصَّرِيحَةِ فِي هَذَا الْمَوْضُوعِ مَعَ التَّعْلِيقِ عَلَيْهَا بِمَا تَيَسَّرِ that I am going to mention the authentic, clear narrations in this topic with a bit of footnotes and some extra additions explaining them. So the first hadith that he quotes to highlight picture-making is impermissible. عَنَ بِهُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ قال الله تعالى ومن اظلم ممن ذهب يخلق كخلقي فليخلقوا ذره او ليخلقوا حبه او ليخلقوا شعيره اخرجه البخاري ومسلم ابو هريره رضي الله عنه narrates that the Prophet وسلم, said that Allah said, Who is more of a wrongdoer? Who is more oppressive than the one who goes creating like my creation? Then let him create. A small dhurrah, sweet corn. Or as we say now, the example given, the smallest thing, an atom. To go and create the smallest thing, a tiny thing. Or for him to go and create a grain or some wheat or barley. He is trying to create like my creation, then let him go and create some small wheat or barley, some small uh, seeds of that nature. Let's see if he can create them. And of course, he will not be able to create them. Ma'anahu, so the meaning of this narration is, لا أحد أشد ظلما من المصور that there is nobody more oppressive wrongdoer more than the picture maker لأنه لما صور الصورة على شكل ما خلقه الله من إنسان أو بهيمة أو غيرهما من ذوات الأرواح Sara mudahiyan li khalqillah Because when a person tries to recreate the creation of Allah in a picture or in some other form then he is attempting in that picture of his to resemble the creation of Allah whether his picture is that of a human or of an animal or of whatever that has a soul in it, he is then competing with the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah, who is the creator of everything, who is the creator of everything, 
And he is the Lord of everything. He is the one who has formed and created all of the creation. And then Allah placed within all of those creations their souls through which they are then alive. As Allah mentioned in the Quran, that he created the heavens and the earth in truth and then formed you in the best of forms created you in the best of forms and Allah said that he is Allah the creator the one who forms you and makes you and creates you in the way that you are upon. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala threatens or challenges those picture makers who have made pictures of items that have living souls, humans or animals, etc. Challenges them to then put a soul inside of that which they have created in their picture, that they have made in their pictures. To put an actual soul into those then, so that they may be alive. And this is a clarification upon their weakness and their failure in their attempts. As the narration says, so just as they are incapable and they have failed in their attempts to create an animal with a soul in it, some alive thing with a soul in it, then they are incapable of creating fruits or nuts or, or seeds, as the narration says, then let them create that hab, uh, to create that seed or that grain, and they cannot even create that. So that is one narration highlighting the severity of picture making. The second hadith highlighting the severity of picture making. Rawa al-Bukhari wa Muslim an Aisha radiyallahu anha anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal ashaddu al-nasi azaban yawm al-qiyamah الذين يضاهون بخلق الله 
that the most severely punished of the people on the day of judgment are those who attempt to compete with the creation of Allah. فَهَذَا إِخْبَارٌ مِّنْهُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ بِشِدَّةِ عَذَابِ الْمُصَوِّرِينَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَسُعَقِبَتِهِمْ So this is a clarification or it is information from the Prophet ﷺ highlighting the severity of the punishment of the picture makers. وَإِنْ عَاشُوا فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا سَالِمِينَ Even if they lived in safety and security in this world, even if they lived safe and sound in this world, in the afterlife there will be a severe punishment for them. وَسُمُّوا فَنَّانِينَ Here now they call these types of people creative artists. They call them those types of titles, they are creative artists. وَشَجِّعُوا بِأَنْوَاعَ التَّشْجِيعَ that they are encouraged. People encourage this creativity in picture making. They will have an end result waiting for them, a terrible end result waiting for them if they do not repent. Because with this action of theirs, these pictures that they make, they are competing with the creation of Allah. يُضَاهُونَ بِخَلْقِ اللَّهِ That they are trying to resemble to resemble the creation of Allah in these pictures that they are making. Then, al-Shaykh al-Fawzan, continues and mentions a third hadith, highlighting the severity of picture making. وَرَوَى الْبُخَارِيُّ وَمُسْلِمُ رَحِمَهُمُ رَحِمَهُمَ اللَّهُ عَنْ إِبْنِ عَبَّاسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَقُولُ كُلُّ مُصَوِّرٍ فِي النَّارِ يَجْعَلُ لَهُ أَوْ يَجْعَلُ لَهُ بِكُلِّ صُورَةٍ صَوَّرَهَا نَفْسٌ يُعَذَّبُ بِهَا فِي جَهَنَّمَ that every picture maker kullu musawwir finnar every picture maker is in the hellfire every picture maker is in the hellfire kullu musawwirin finnar and this indicates very clearly the severity of the situation, the severity of the situation 
regarding the ones who create pictures they make pictures they draw pictures they paint pictures they create those pictures with other means whether it's painting or pencils or crayons or whatever it might be that every picture maker pictures that they make of living things with souls of course because if you make pictures of items that do not have souls pictures of mountains or pictures of trees or pictures of the landscape the sky that type of thing is completely okay that is not the problem the prohibition islamically is making pictures of living things that have souls in them so even vegetation and plants and trees and that type of thing is no problem they are not living things with souls in them so the one who makes those pictures of the living things with souls in them then they are the ones who are threatened with that severe punishment saying that every picture maker <coughs> will be in the hellfire and the narration it carries on it continues and mentions the type of punishment that the person will receive and what does the narration say about the type of punishment the person will receive what does your translation say what does yours say Everybody following? Follow along in the books where you are. We're on hadith number three. Hadith number three. The one in Al-Bukhari and the one in Muslim. The hadith of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma, where he said, Sami'tu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul, Every picture maker will be in the fire. That he will have for every picture that he made a soul that will be made and that he'll be punished with that in the hellfire for every picture that he made of those living things with souls. وَمَعْنَاهُ أَنَّهُ فِي يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ تُحْضَرْ جَمِيعُ الصُّوَرْ أو تحضر نعم تح... مَعْنَاهُ أَنَّهُ فِي يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ that this person on the day of judgment تحضر جميع الصور التي صورها في الدنيا ويجعل في كل واحدة منه نفس يعذب بها في جهنم قلت الصور أم كثرت that on that day all of these pictures that he made in this world they will all be gathered on that day and then a soul will be made for each one that he will then be punished within the hellfire 
whether they were a few pictures or they were many, whether it was a few in number or many in number, and so then he will uh, feel that punishment because every picture that he made, then it will be made into a person, it will be made with a soul, and then he is punished with it in the hellfire. The fourth hadith, again in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, again Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma said, من صور صورة كلف أن ينفخ فيها الروح وليس بنافخ. That whomsoever made pictures, then on the day of judgment, he will be given the the task of blowing a soul into those pictures, and of course he will not be able to. Somebody now makes paintings of people or of animals that have souls in them. Then on the day of judgment, he will be told to make them come to life, to blow a soul into them, and of course he will not be able to do so. وَهَذَا نَوْعٌ آخَرْ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ لِلْمُصَوِّرِ وَمَعْنَاهُ وَاضِحِ وَهُوَ أَنَّ الْمُصَوِّرِ تَحْضَرْ أَمَامَهُ جَمِيعِ الصُّورِ الَّتِي صورها في الدنيا ثم يؤمر أن ينفخ ينفخ في كل واحدة منها الروح that all of those pictures are going to be brought in front of him and the ones that he made in this world pictures that have souls and then he'll be commanded to blow the souls into those pictures and of course how and where is he possibly going to be able to blow souls into them he cannot وَإِنَّمَا هَذَا تَعْذِيبٌ لَهُ وَتَعْجِيزٌ لَهُ But that is done in order to highlight to him that he is incapable and has no ability to blow souls into these pictures of his, has no ability to give them life or to create them as Allah has created the creation and given it life. لِأَنَّهُ يُكَلَّفْ مَا لَا يَطِيقٌ فَيَكُونُ مُعَذَّبًا دَائِمًا So he will be given a task that he can never do. He will never be able to blow a soul into those pictures. And so this indicates the continuity of his punishment, his punishment that will continue upon those pictures that he used to make. So this is the point regarding how pictures can lead to shirk. And it was pictures partially that led to the first shirk ever at the time of Nuh alayhi salam. So making paintings, drawings, even using your phone to take pictures of living things with souls in them, not just trees or landscape and vegetation, that's no problem, no souls. But humans or animals that have souls in them, then on the day of judgment, you'll be told to blow a soul into them in reality, and you won't be able to do so. So there is a clear impermissibility in taking pictures, making pictures, photographs, the impermissibility of doing that. We'll stop on that point for the prayer, and then after the prayer, we'll carry on with this next chapter that's going to start now, inshallah.
Alhamdulillah Salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah So Moving on then This next chapter It speaks about Some of the doubts That the mushrikeen The polytheists They use To try and justify shirk So we'll have a look at some of these so-called justifications of theirs and prove that they are incorrect justifications. So from the first of them, Shubha takadu takunu mushtarika bayna tawaif al-mushrikina fi mukhtalif al-umam wa hiya shubhatu al-ihtijaj bima kana alayhi al-abaa wal-ajdaad this doubt that many of them they bring, it is a doubt that is widespread amongst many, all of the various factions of the mushrikeen in the various times throughout history. In the different nations, they all used to claim this particular claim, and that is that they would say what we are doing is just what we learned from our forefathers. They used to do this. Our forefathers used to do this. So it must be okay. We are only following in the footsteps of our elders. That is a claim and evidence that the mushrikun have used over and over again in different times. They have all often quoted this evidence for themselves. <coughs> and that they would say that they have inherited this aqeedah through the generations that have gone by. That they have inherited this aqeedah through the generations that have gone by. Kama qala ta'ala anhum wa kathalika ma arsalna min qablika fi qaryatin min nadhir illa qala mutrafuha inna wajadna abaana ala umma wa inna ala atharihim muqtadun in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to us regarding them that we did not send a warner to any of these places before you, these villages before you, these towns before you, except that the claim they would make is that they found their fathers upon this particular way, upon that methodology, and that indeed we, they say, are going to follow in the footsteps of our forefathers. So this claim that their actions are justified because they have learnt it from their elders, they have learnt it from their forefathers, is a common claim that they make. وَهَذِهِ حُجَّةً 
يلجأ إليها أو يلجأ إليها من يعجز عن إقامة الدليل على دعواه This type of evidence then is only used by those people who are incapable of actually being able to give an evidence because they can't actually give any evidence proving that it's permissible to worship these idols and statues and graves. They don't actually have any evidence. So then they just say, but this is what our fathers used to do. This is what our elders taught us. And that isn't an evidence anyway. Just because your elders and your fathers and other people used to do something doesn't mean that it's right. So in the end, that's what they used to say because they had nothing else. وَهِيَ حُجَّةٌ دَاحِضَةٌ لَا يُقَامُ لَهَا وَزْنٌ فِي سُوقِ الْمُنَاظَرَةِ So it is an evidence that is futile. It stands up with no weight in the context of uh, a debate. فَإِنَّ هَؤُلَاءِ الْآبَاءِ الَّذِينَ قَلَّدُوهُمْ لَيْسُوا عَلَى هُدَى these forefathers of theirs that they say they are following, those forefathers were not upon guidance anyway. وَمَنْ كَانَ كَذَلِكَ لَا تَجُوزُ مُتَابَعَتُهُ وَالِقْتِدَاءُ بِهِ So whomsoever is in that type of state, that they themselves are not upon guidance anyway, and it's not permissible to follow in their footsteps. If they are committing shirk, then you cannot follow in their footsteps committing shirk and just say, but they are our elders. So that is not permissible. Allah mentioned in the Quran as a rebuke and a refutation of them, قَالَ تَعَالَى رَدًّا عَلَيْهِمْ قَالَ أَوَلَوْ جِئْتُكُمْ بِأَهْدَى مِمَّا وَجَدْتُمْ عَلَيْهِ آبَاءَكُمْ Allah mentions to them that if someone comes or we bring to you a greater guidance than what your fathers were upon, a guidance that is superior, an actual guidance of truth, more and better, than what your forefathers were upon, because the guidance of your forefathers, the meaning of it is the guidance of your forefathers was false. And we bring to you the actual guidance of truth. And Allah mentions also, that their forefathers did not know anything and they, did, they were not rightly guided. Their forefathers did not know anything and they were not rightly guided. In another ayah, that their forefathers, they do not have that intellect. They don't perceive and understand a thing and neither are they guided. So the mushrikun throughout time, when they've got nothing else and no other proof, they just say, our elders used to do this and we're following our elders. On the day of judgment, that will not be a proof for you. You cannot just say, but my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, they told us it's okay to go to the graveyards and make dua to the dead people and ask the dead people for help. 
so we used to do it. That won't be an evidence for you on the day of judgment. You need to research the religion and learn what the truth is. The mushrikun, they used to use that claim. Our forefathers used to do this. We're just following our forefathers. But Allah tells us their forefathers were misguided. Their forefathers were not upon the truth. So them following their forefathers was useless. Their forefathers were misguided and they were misguided. إِنَّمَا يَكُونُ مَحْمُودًا إِذَا كَانُوا عَلَى It is only praiseworthy to be following your forefathers if your forefathers were upon the truth. If they were upon the truth, then yes, it is praiseworthy to be upon the way of your forefathers. It's mentioned, كما قال تعالى عن يوسف عليه السلام أنه قال واتبعت ملة آبائي إبراهيم وإسحاق ويعقوب ما كان لنا أن نشرك بالله من شيء that I followed the, the pathway, the guidance of my forefathers Ibrahim and Ishaq and Ya'qub and it is not that we would commit shirk with Allah at all that we would associate any partners alongside Allah we would not do that we follow the pathway of our forefathers who were upon Tawheed Ibrahim and Ishaq and Ya'qub. This claim of the Mushrikun though is something which is instilled within them. It is something which is instilled within them. It is at the core of their beliefs that we must follow what our forefathers were upon and it's as though they are blinded by this justification of theirs and the prophets and messengers they explained to them the incorrectness of this thinking of theirs it's mentioned in many ayat how the prophets and messengers spoke to them about this affair, warned them about this affair, explained to them regarding following the truth, but how they were blinded by this argument that we are following what our forefathers were upon. And so they were in misguidance just as their forefathers were in misguidance. So you cannot ever use the evidence that my father taught me this. And my grandfather used to do this. What if what they used to do wasn't right? What if what they used to do isn't what the Quran and the Sunnah teaches us? You cannot just blindly say my forefathers used to do it, so I'm going to do it. You have been given that ability. Allah has given you that ability to look into the Quran and the Sunnah, the evidences, to establish what the truth is. So that is not a justification that is going to be valid. 
to say my forefathers used to do it so I'm going to do it. That is incorrect. Then the second doubt. Thanian ومن الشبه التي يدلي بها عباد القبور اليوم ظنهم أن مجرد النطق بلا إله إلا الله يكفي لدخول الجنة ولو فعل الإنسان ما فعل فإنه لا يكفر وهو يقول لا إله إلا الله متمسكين بظواهر الأحاديث التي ورد فيها أن من نطق بالشهادتين that, that he is forbidden from the fire then. They say the second doubt is these people who worship the graves, they claim that as long as you say la ilaha illallah, as long as you are upon the shahadatain, then you are safe, you will enter paradise. As long as you say la ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, then that's it, you're safe. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter. Go to the graves, call upon the dead, commit shirk basically. But you say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, you are upon that shahadatain, you're safe. Because there are some hadith that mention whoever says, La ilaha illallah, then the fire is forbidden to take him. He will be forbidden from the fire. He will not go into the fire. Those who die upon la ilaha illallah. Al-jawab an hadhihi shubha anna hadhihi al-ahadith laysat ala itlaqiha. Wa innama hiya muqayyada bi ahadith ukhra jaa fiha. These narrations are not absolute in their meaning just like that. They don't just mean as long as you say the shahada, after that you can commit shirk, but you'll still be safe. They don't mean that. There are other narrations which specify or restrict the meaning. أَنَّهُ لَا بُدَّ لِمَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ أَنْ يَعْتَقِدَ مَعْنَاهَا بِقَلْبِهِ وَيَعْمَلْ بِمُقْتَضَاهَا so, a person can't just say La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah and say that's it, I'm Muslim, I'm safe, I'll be in paradise. And then go do whatever he wants, go to the graveyards, call upon the dead, slaughter for the dead, prostrate to the dead. You cannot do all of those things and then say, but I say La ilaha illallah, so I'm okay. You cannot because the narrations they highlight it's more than just saying La ilaha illallah. There's more to it. You have to have the understanding of the meaning of it. And the meaning of it is Tawheed. That you're going to call upon Allah alone. You have to act upon what it necessitates. So what do the shahadatain necessitate from you? If you say that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah, La ilaha illallah, then it means you cannot worship any other deity besides Allah. You cannot say that, but then go and worship the dead in the graves. So it is about having the aqidah, the understanding of what the shahadatain means, and then practicing it to 
Not just saying that I say la ilaha illallah, but then you actually go do something which is in opposition to la ilaha illallah. Because calling upon the dead, slaughtering for the dead, prostrating to the graves, all of that is shirk. It's in opposition to saying that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. Then why are you worshipping the graves and the dead people in that case? So it's not just about saying la ilaha illallah. It is about knowing the meaning of it and then acting upon it. As it mentions the hadith of Itban, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّمَ عَلَى النَّارِ مَنْ قَالْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ يَبْتَغِي بِذَلِكَ وَجْهَ اللَّهِ وَإِلَّا فَالْمُنَافِقُونَ يَقُولُونَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ بِأَلْسِنَتِهِمْ وَهُمْ فِي الدَّرْكِ الْأَسْفَلِ مِنَ النَّارِ وَلَمْ يَنْفَعْهُمْ أَنْ نُطْبِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ لِأَنَّهُمْ لَا يَعْتَقِدُونَ مَا دَلَّتْ عَلَيْهِ بِقُلُوبِهِمْ Otherwise, if it was just about saying La ilaha illallah, then even the munafiqun used to say La ilaha illallah. They used to say it just to pretend that they were Muslims. In their hearts, did they believe in it? They didn't, and that's why they are not going to be in paradise. They are going to be in the lowest pits of the hellfire. In the lowest pits of the hellfire. Even though they used to say, La ilaha illallah, but they never used to have the aqidah regarding it. They never believed in it. They were never upon tawheed. So it's not just about saying it, it is about believing in it and acting upon it. In another narration in Muslim, Man qala la ilaha illallah, wa kafara bima yu'badu min dunillah, haruma maluhu wa damuhu wa hisabuhu ala Allah. That whomsoever says la ilaha illallah and he disbelieves in all that is worshipped besides Allah, then his wealth and his blood is safe. It is uh, haram for you to transgress upon that and his accountability will be with Allah. فَعَلَّقَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ حِرْمَةَ الْمَالِ وَالدَّمْ عَلَىٰ أَمْرَيْنِ الْأَوَّلْ قَوْلُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَالثَّانِي الْكُفْرُ بِمَا يُعْبَدُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ وَلَمْ يَكْتَفِي بِمُجَرَّدِ النُّطْقِ بِلَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فَدَلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الَّذِي يَقُولَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَلَا يَتْرُكُ عِبَادَةَ الْمَوْتَى وَالتَّعَلُّقْ بِلَا ضْرِحَىٰ لَا يَحْرُمْ مَالُهُ وَلَا دَمُهُ That the Prophet ﷺ here said, Whomsoever says لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ and disbelieves in all of that which is worshipped besides Allah, then his wealth and his blood etc. are protected. Meaning two things. You have to say la ilaha illallah and you have to disbelieve in all of that which is worshipped besides Allah. The Prophet didn't just say whoever just says la ilaha illallah and that's it. It was to say that but to believe in it and act upon it by disbelieving in all of the other so-called deities besides Allah. So it's not just a case of saying la ilaha illallah and you think you're safe. And you can go do what you want and go to the graves and commit shirk. Rather, it is about saying it, believing in it, and acting upon it. That's the point we'll have to round off on today. There are a few more doubts that the mushrikun, they bring up yet. But those further doubts of the mushrikun, inshallah ta'ala, will start with them from next week's session. So we'll round off on that for today. Everybody try and make sure 
you arrive on time, 7 p.m. sharp. We'll begin the class, insha'Allah ta'ala, next week again. So we'll conclude upon that for today.